Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello and welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele. And can I say, there are a lot of podcasts out there, like literally three million the last time I checked. I'm really glad that you choose to listen to this one, alumni. I love getting to be a part of this growing community together. Super fun. Thanks for joining us. Hey, today we're wrapping up our Finding Your Footing series, and I'm excited for the way that we're choosing to end it. Rather than another conversation with an expert or an alumni story, we're doing things a little differently today. I'm going to be sitting down with my friend Hallie, an alumna from Minnesota State right here in Mankato, Minnesota, and we're going to be digging into a piece of scripture together and talking about what we can learn from it about God in the midst of transition. And we threw all time constraints out the window, so you're getting a long episode today to wrap up the series. If you'd like to follow along with us, we'll be in Psalm 18, verses 1 through 36. You could even pause the episode, print off a copy, and do a little manuscripting of your own. There's a link to the same manuscript Hallie and I used in the show notes. If you do that, shoot us a DM on Instagram or Facebook at After4Pod and let us know what you found. Let's dig into it together. Now, just a couple qualifications before we jump in. First, you're going to hear me say manuscript light in my conversation with Hallie. That's me being generous. I mean, we took time to mark up the text and write down some questions beforehand, but we definitely didn't follow a strict manuscripting format. It's a discussion. So don't dock us points for not following the format. We already know we didn't do that. Second, this is just a couple of friends having an unscripted conversation about the text. I'm sure there are things that you'll hear that will make you say, "Mm, I'm not so sure you got that one right. That's totally fine. I'm open to being wrong. The purpose here was just to say, where will this text lead us in the way that we see God in the midst of transition? Not, let's have a publishable exegesis of the first 36 verses of Psalm 18, just so we're all on the same page about where this is going. So if you'd like to do some manuscripting of your own ahead of time, pause now and spend some time there. Otherwise, enjoy this extended conversation with Hallie. This one's for you, alumni. Hallie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. (laughs) Yes, I'm really excited. And not only are you on the podcast, but we actually get to sit across the table from each other while we do this. It feels so, so personal. So, (laughs) so fun. I know. I do so many of these over Zoom that it's just nice the times I get to do it just like this. Mm -hmm. Super fun. Mm -hmm. Well, Hallie, we're going to do something that we've never done before on the podcast to focus in completely on a piece of scripture and do almost like a manuscript light sort of session. Uh, So I'm excited to get to do this together. Before we do that, though, would you just let us know who you are, Hallie? Yeah. So my name is Hallie Weinberger. I am a senior at Minnesota State University, Mankato. I am double majoring, or I guess I was double majoring, (laughs) in communication studies and psychology. So all the people-y things, all the interpersonal things. And I guess some fun facts about me. I love ice cream. I will never turn it down. And I love sunsets. If you ask me at any time of day, I guess that's not super relevant because it could be 8 a.m. and the sun isn't setting. But if you ask me at any time of day, I would love to go watch the sunset. That's awesome. Well, so Hallie, you're 
like done with classes. By the time people listen to this, you will have graduated. Yeah. So tell us what's happening after you graduate. Yeah. So super exciting things. I was accepted into graduate school. Nice. So I'll come back to MSU in the fall and start a graduate program in industrial organizational psychology. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's basically just applying psychology in the workplace. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to learn more about that. So then Hallie, as you're thinking about moving into the summer and then into this grad program, I'm excited for us to talk through this text today. For everybody that's listening, we're going to look at a few verses from Psalm 18. And I think there's some really cool imagery of God and his interaction with his people when they're when they find themselves in kind of freaky situations. So I'm excited just to see what happens in our conversation around this text, and especially as you process it in light of moving into graduation and life after graduation. Shall we jump into Psalm 18 here? Let's do it. Okay, sweet. I'm going to read just the first chunk here, and then we will spend some time discussing. All right, this is Psalm 18, 1 through 6a or so. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. So, Hallie, as you've already spent some time with this, what are some things that stood out to you as you were observing your way through this part of the text? Yeah, well, I think right away it just starts out like, I love you, Lord, my strength. Before there's any like, help me, before there's any who am I, it's I love you, Lord, my strength. Yeah. And then just reestablishing, even sometimes I think we do that with ourselves, like, okay, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my fortress and my (laughs) deliverer. I believe this. And so I just like, I picture him writing this and going through like, okay, I'm reminding myself of this before I step into this hard thing that's happening. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting too, because you've got like, there's clearly fear, danger, distress, anxiety that's Mm -hmm. happening right here. That is a reality, but that's not where it starts that, okay, I'm going to start here. I love you, Lord. This is true. This will always be true. Yes. And like, these are the things that I can, that I can understand about you and that sort of paints the way that I see what's happening around me. Yeah. I also just really love verse three, where it goes like, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved. So right away, again, that reminder of like, okay, this has already happened. Yeah. Like this is something that I've walked through and I've seen God deliver me. And so like immediately when I read this, I just think of like, oh wow, like the Lord has been faithful to me. So like coming out of this season of college, even within the first six verses, I'm like, wow, God has been so faithful to me in this chapter of my life on campus. He'll continue to do that. So it's, again, just like prepping your mindset of like, okay, God, like, who have you been? Who are you? Who do I say that you are before I like acknowledge this hardship? Yes. And and what a important mindset for us to take with us into each phase of life, each experience that we have. But there is very clearly something very scary that's happening for David. Yes. Uh, The cords of death, the torrents of destruction, the cords of the grave, the snares of death. I mean, this repetition to make sure that like you understand this is something serious that's happening here. Yes. And communicating that in the midst of believing these things, there's something very difficult going on for David here. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's really vivid language Mm -hmm. too. Like destruction overwhelmed me. 
death confronted me. Very clearly, David is distressed, which again, when I look back at even undergrad, I can say, yeah, okay, been there, been distressed, yeah. been overwhelmed. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So first of all, I don't want to over-dramatize transition to life after graduation. Yes. Like people will be across the spectrum on here, but I don't want to just put it up there as like, when you graduate, it's like the cords of death are entangling you. That's not what it has to be like. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. I do think that that transition is one that brings up fear, anxiety, the unknown. Yes. And so I wonder for you, as you think about life after graduation, what are some of the things that make you feel fearful? Yeah. Well, I think number one, like the unknown. The unknown is just scary in general. You never know what you're jumping into, what you're really getting yourself into. When I think about specifically in my situation, I think of entering grad school and after coming from a year of rest and a little bit more of a lighter course load, I just think, oh man, am I ready for this? <laughs> like, okay, yeah. like I know I can do it, but I just, I'm going to get slapped in the face. That is very scary. Also with this element of who will my friends be? What were my relationships look like? Will I get along with my professors? Just the whole, the newness of it is very daunting, I think. Absolutely. I think that fear of the unknown, whatever your next phase of graduation is going to be, not everybody's going to grad school. Many people will be. But that fear of the unknown, I think, is something we can all identify with. Who will my friends be? Mm -hmm. Where will I find them? Am I actually going to be good at this thing that I step into next? Or am I going to realize like, oh, I've spent all this time studying for something that I either suck at or I actually don't like this. Yes, seriously, <laughs> that's a real fear too. Yes. So then before we go any further with the things that we're feeling and wondering about, let's see what the text says next. Yeah. Allie, will you read our next chunk here? Absolutely. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down, dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew, he soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Okay, so let's let's divide even the section into kind of two parts here. Let's start with this pretty vivid imagery of God. Like, what stands out to you as you think about the picture that's painted of God here? Oh, man. I mean, I picture like almost like some Avengers type stuff or something. Just <laughs> yeah. like crazy mountains of uncomprehensible things. Like the earth is trembling. The foundations of the mountains shook. I don't know. I, it's like scary almost. Like <laughs> if if that person was coming after me, I would run. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, even just verse eight here, smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. This face of fire, just yeah. like almost this dragon, like he's about to spit fire in yeah. in rage and anger. 
which is super interesting that this cry for help engages this yes. God who responds very quickly, but with, wow, some really intense imagery. Yeah. I see right away also out of the brightness of his presence in verse 12, clouds as advanced. And so like it wasn't out of this like dark place, out of the mm. brightness of his presence, hailstones and bolts of lightning and clouds. The Lord is thundering, but it's like in a positive way. Yeah. I feel like I need to read that because otherwise I'm like, oh, Lord, what's he going to do? <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. This comparison, uh, let's see here, in 11, made darknesses covering his canopy around him, yeah. the dark clouds of the sky. But like you said, the brightness of his presence like yes. moves this forward. That's such an interesting compare and contrast there of like this darkness versus light and the way that they're working together in this spot. Even like the dark clouds under his feet. I don't know. Again, when I read this the first time, I was like, mm, I don't know. This, like, <laughs> this picture of God in my head does not align with right. what I'm reading. It's so fascinating to me towards the end of verse 15, talking about at the blast of his breath from his nostrils, that the, the valleys of the sea are exposed, the foundations of the earth are laid bare. And thinking about like the imagery of breath from earlier in the Old Testament. Testament, God puts his breath into Adam and Eve and like mm -hmm. brings life to them. And I think it talks about the blast of breath from his nostrils being what like divides the Red Sea for Israel to walk through. Oh my gosh. And so this really interesting imagery of, of breath compared to other ways that it's been brought up in the past. That's funny that lately all the scripture I've been going through has had this idea of breath and it's so crazy. Like that's like one of the fears that is deep rooted in me. I have this innate fear where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to breathe, which is just so crazy to go through scripture. And like God so vividly is like, I put this breath in your lungs. I don't know. That just gives so much power to it. Breath in general. It's crazy because it's that's life. Yes. And that here you have you have this breath that's like stepping into a place of rescuing. Yes. This breath that started your life is also the breath that is continuing and preserving your life. Yeah. I feel like I get this picture of like, I don't know, David being trampled by his enemies, kind of like the cords of death entangling him, literally being like choked. And then to have this image of, okay, God breathes and like, it's just lifted or like he has this new sense of lightness, yeah. freedom, knowing that God is on the way. Okay, so that you've got this huge, dare I say, really scary yeah. God yeah. <laughs> that is responding as a result of the call that happens in the middle of verse 6. But then there's a significant shift. It's in verse 12 when it yeah. shifts for me, calling on the brightness of who God is, because before that, it does seem very scary yeah. for me. But yeah, I feel like the whole thing is building, 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 where it's like this giant is awoken from his like slumber. Yes. Like, what is going on? Like, did you disrupt my child? <laughs> Absolutely. Did you do something to my creation? Yeah. I love then in verse 16, it's almost like it zooms in, it slows down. It's just almost like this hand gently lifting you, this gentle giant, yes. gone from a raging giant to this gentle giant that yes. then scoops his child up. That is just crazy to me. I feel like there's this theme within Psalms, this drawing us out of trouble, picking us up, just kind of implying that it's not, it's not our action that saves us either. It's God who reaches down, comes down, saves us, touches us, picks us up. And that is for sure for me when I read that. And I just feel like this warmth of like, oh, I'm drowning. Another one of my fears. And it, this is this imagery of like, he's picking me up when the waves are crashing over my head, rescuing me. What I love is this last part of verse 19. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because, why did he rescue? Because I called on him, because everything was dangerous, because he was really opposed to my enemy. No, he rescued me because he delighted in me. Mm. Holy cow. I mean, what does that do? 
you see this raging giant of a God who steps in and rescues you because he delights in you. It's funny. I actually highlighted the same thing and I Googled it. I was just like, what does that really mean? And it said this overall enjoyment and like extreme pleasure in being around or being with that item or thing or person. If we look at ourselves as that object, wow, God has an extreme pleasure in like sitting with us and seeing us and being near us and listening to us like, what? (laughs) That's insane. I have to be honest, that's an idea of God that I don't let be true in my life Mm. enough. Big, scary, raging God. I can totally identify with that, but usually I'm like thinking about that coming against me. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) But to think like, no, that's the God who's coming to my rescue because he delights in me, because he takes pleasure just us spending time together. You actually like this? You're not doing it because you feel obligated or it was like, no, you legitimately love this. Yes. Oh, I just got this throwback, I guess, in my head from this previous semester of Bible study. I was leading a Bible study for a bunch of first year girls, second year girls, and we just went through truths of the week. Truth about God and truth about what he says about us as a result of who he is. That's awesome. And one of the truths was just like, I delight in you. I don't need you to do more to be enough. I don't need you to like toil. I just need you to sit. Like I'm coming after you. And there was one study where we did the classic, like Jesus goes after the one with the 99 sheep and we do lots of analogies. And so we named our lost sheep, Joe, Joe, (laughs) he was like outside of the pen gone and Jesus runs after Joe. Like Jesus is running after Joe, not because Joe was like the best sheep. Right. Not because Joe was perfect. Like Joe was just one of his own and he just wanted him to be near and like delighted in knowing that all of his sheep were near. And so, I don't know. I just got that imagery when you were saying that. So good. That's amazing. Well, okay. So then Hallie, as you think about going into this life after graduation, after this graduation, there'll be another one for you. How does it make you feel to know that a God who responds like this to the unknown, the scary, whatever it might be, is going into life after graduation with you? There's just this softness and there's this feeling of really just being held. Even the summer season, I just have this feeling of confidence and like, I'm walking in the way of the Lord. I'm not walking in this path that I've chosen for myself. I'm walking where he's already paved it. I'm walking with someone who will awake at any moment to come to my defense. There's nowhere that I can go to wander outside his hand. It's really this feeling of like protection, peace, And that doesn't mean that there aren't the courts of death. The courts of death are there. As he's writing this, he's like, yeah, no, I went through all of this, but this is who you are in it. So there's never, ever this point of like, oh, like maybe God will not allow me to go through any of this pain. No, he's so confident that like he is going to be in the courts of death again. Otherwise, I really don't think he would be shouting this psalm to the Lord. And it doesn't even necessarily mean like to pull him right out. It might just be, I'm going to hold you in my hand while we walk through this crazy time. And those cords of death are going to like keep reaching over my palm to try to get to you. But you know what? I'm going to keep you safe right in there. They will not get you. I don't know. I think for me, it's been really helpful to think about how did I even get here? Because I did not plan to be here. (laughs) This was my 13th choice of a school. Seriously, like literally 13. Like literally I toured 13 schools as a high school senior. And so as a final plea, I guess I toured Mankato and I walked around and I was like, dang, unfortunately, I feel like this is where I need to be. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Like I really didn't want to come here. And yet to see like what God has done, like before I even stepped foot on campus, literally before I even walked here, he already prepared the way. 
my roommate, I had two days left to find a roommate. He gave me someone who I have now lived with for three years. My jobs, my classes, my professors, everything has happened in the exact time that it needed to happen. And I've grown in ways that I would have never grown if I went to the school that I wanted to go to. God was so faithful to me in that. And yet I was like resisting it with everything I had. And all God wanted was just to say like, okay, Hallie, you're still in my hand. I just want you to walk here. And so for me, thinking about like, what did God do in the last season when I had to transition one time? How did he provide? Okay, now how will he continue to do that in the future? So even if you like your college experience wasn't what you planned, or maybe you're like, wow, God's faithfulness was not evident to me in this season. Right. That's okay. I'm sure you've had another transition from middle school to high school, a move, a family, a relationship, anything like that. Certainly, if you think back, you can find one example about how God has been faithful to you 100%. Yes. And what's funny is I listen to you talk because we've talked about these things before. Some of the questions that you were wrestling with that first time are the exact same questions that you're wrestling with as you go into this new program. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, Hallie, yeah, seriously. <laughs> do you believe what you just said is true? Mm -hmm. That God took care of all of those things for you the first time? And he will take care of them again this time and the next time and the time after that and the time after that. Yeah. It's just cool to see that like God's been prepping you and showing himself faithful. And now it's like, all right, take two or take five, yeah, wherever you yeah. are at this point. Uh, and that he, yeah, he's inviting you into, all right, let's do this again. Watch what I do. You know, what's crazy is like what I imagine it looking like, even based off ways that he's provided in the past, it's going to look different. It's going to look different than what I expect. And so just like already trying to use the summer or like this neutral zone, as yes. I'm assuming you talked about, <laughs> yes. as just this preparation time of like, okay, how can I already be praying? Like, Lord, prepare my heart to be faithful. Prepare me to have trust in you because when I get in the moment, I'm going to want to run the other way. I'm going to want to doubt you. I probably will in some <laughs> moments just cry out like, why God, where are you? Yeah. So I don't know. I think transitions, oh, they're just good. They're yes. good. <laughs> They are as brutal as they can be. Sometimes they are good. They mm -hmm. are good for us. Well, let's jump into this next section, picking up in verse 20. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I've been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Hmm. Yep. Those are some bold statements, David. Oh, David. <laughs> As I was reading this, I was like, David, no, I don't feel this way. What do I do with this? Yeah. I think before we jump into this, like a little bit of context, we have the benefit of a little more understanding of David's life than he probably did at this point. We know that David makes some really big mistakes yep, yep. <laughs> as he progresses. So he is not literally perfect, but it does make me wonder what are the things that he understands about himself and he understands about God that would allow him to speak like this. So what are some of the things that stand out to you as you think about that chunk of text? 
Well, I mean, right away, I just think of verse 21. That's what gets me right away. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. And right away, I'm like, oh, no, I am so guilty of turning from my God. Like in every scenario and every chance, I will run and turn and choose the shiny object. Yeah. So that right away is just like, ooh, convicting. Yeah. And the whole thing kind of echoes that same theme of like, no, no, like I've been good, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping up with you, staying on the same page. But when I think of David in this context, probably like a lot of the hardship he had to deal with was probably like loneliness and like being persecuted. And he's probably thinking in this mindset of, Lord, it would be easy for me to run, but you've asked me to stay. I'm going to stay. I think he's probably thinking in the context of his hardship. I don't think we stand before God and we're like, we're perfect. But I think in the sense of the people he might have been comparing himself to like, okay, Lord, you have saved me because I am like following you and seeking you and all these things. Yeah, I I agree. So a little bit of context that we didn't talk about is that David is writing this in response to, it says right at the beginning, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Uh, And so, yeah, I think that you're right that like you have those two moments where David could have killed Saul. Where, you know, he sneaks up in the middle of the night, like through his entire army somehow and makes it to Saul. And he's like, "Mm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to take your water jar and your spear. I think those are the things that he takes. And then the other time that Saul comes into the cave to go to the bathroom and David sneaks up and takes a corner of his robe. And even that he's like overwhelmed with guilt of like, I raised my hand against the Lord's anointed. But that he had all of these moments where he could have killed Saul. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to play by those rules. God has promised that for me and my line is where the stuff is going to happen. So I'm going to wait and I'm going to, I'm going to wait for God's timing. And that in those things, in those moments, the context that he's talking about, that he was righteous. He chose the correct path in those moments. Wow. There's just a lot there. And I think too, with like even verse 25 to the faithful, you show yourself faithful to the blameless. You show yourself blameless again within that context of like, okay, Lord, I've been faithful. I'm waiting. I'm in this bush. I'm in the cave you will show yourself faithful and you have shown yourself faithful. It does make me think about the times that we decide like, okay, I've spent a lot of time studying about God, you know, studying his word, but there's a lot of alternative perspectives out there. And it's helpful for me to like understand those perspectives. And I think that there's truth to that. But how often do we say like, well, once I stopped going to church, I just, I felt like I didn't really need it anymore. Once I stopped studying God's word, I was just like, you know what? I'm getting along just fine in my life without understanding scripture. It makes me feel that God sort of presents himself in the place of like, okay, I mean, the route that you want to go is going to color your perspective of me. Mm. If you are only going to lean into the ways that, you know, the world that doesn't understand and is talking about me being this vile, bigoted, unjust God, then yeah, that's how you're going to see me because that's the information you're leaning into. But if you go to scripture and the things that I say about myself and the things that my people say about me, you're going to see a God who loves, a God who forgives, a God who is gracious, a God who desires for everyone to come to a knowledge of him. Who are you going to lean into? Because that is the perspective of me that you're going to see. That really just gives me another picture of like in this season of transition after graduation, even though we've potentially been active in our campus ministries or we've potentially been living in this way, like we're faced with another choice. Will you continue to believe God is faithful? Will you rely on the promises of this world, which leave you disappointed time and time again? Mm And so I can think in my own life ways where like when I'm living in sin or when I'm doing something that I know, like, okay, Lord, I know you would prefer that. Like, I'm really not doing this. It, it draws me away from who I see God as. And I start to just be more focused on me and 
it prevents me from seeing God as who he really is, someone who is holding me and someone who is walking with me. And I think that's an easy temptation to fall into when we transition and walk alone for a little while and face these things. Yeah. That even like how many times can we look back and say, okay, but the cords of death keep entangling me over and over and over again. And that we can just focus on that and be like, God, why do you keep letting this happen to me? And that we can just forget like, okay, but God also keeps rescuing you out of it again and again and again. This is the nature of the world that we live in. We will experience hardship. We will experience doubt. We will experience anxiety. But that in the midst of all of those things, God is there to scoop us up and walk through it with us. God continues to rescue. He continues to save. He continues to walk along with us. And so which perspective will we look at? The cords of death keep entangling me or this amazing God who delights in me keeps rescuing me? Which one will we lean into? Yeah. And that's why I like even how David ends this and he comes back through all of this and says, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. I'm guessing there's some times where that that flame was flickering, like (laughs) the wind came, the storms came, like it wanted to go out, but you, Lord, kept it burning. And like, even my God turns my darkness into light. You will walk in this darkness, like you will do those things. It is going to get hard. And then he says, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. And man, what a wall transition is. It is a (laughs) slap to the face. Yes, it absolutely is. So... Callie, what does it look like to keep being mindful of the cleanness of our hands and to keep the way of the Lord as we move into this new season of life? Yeah, I mean, from the perspective of a 21-year-old student (laughs) with limited life experience, I really think you got to just look back to his faithfulness. You just have to trust like when your lamp almost burns out, when the wall looks higher than it's ever been, like you have to lean on the Lord and say like, you can do this for me. I can do this with you. And even in the ways that we talked about, which path will you continue to choose? Keeping your hands clean, I think, can just look like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be in the word today. I'm going to choose to come back to you and just sit with you and let your presence cleanse me. And I think in times we are going to fail. We're not going to be faithful. Absolutely. But the Lord, like he comes back and like is still holding you. Well, let's keep going here. Hallie, will you round out this part of chapter 18 that we're looking at? Absolutely. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. Hallie, what stands out to you as you read through that? Oh, right away. Verse 30, he shields all who take refuge in him. I think that also implies we're going to be taking refuge like we've talked about. Like there's a time like we we are going to be in trouble and like he shields that. So there will be times of needing to be shielded and to take refuge, but then that he shields all who take refuge. The door is open for you to take refuge here. Mm. Even if you said no thanks the last 10 times, (laughs) if you choose to take refuge here, the door is open for you. Yes. 
I also love that image in verse 31, for who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? And I think with that continual mindset of like the rock doesn't change, like a rock is steady in the storms and the waves, a rock stays relatively stable. The rock doesn't really move, even if it potentially shifts and looks a little different. The rock is still the rock. And so again, like you said, for all the times we said no, or for all the times we walked away, for all the times we chose the sand house instead of the rock, the rock is still the rock. And we get to come back to that at the end of the day. Yes. Do you think that the imagery of the deer is weird? No, because I picture deer as like a very quick, light animal. I picture them as like very free. It's like this lightness, like he makes my feet like where I walk, like I'm hopping through, like I am moving. I'm not stuck. I'm not grounded. I'm not dragging my feet. I've never seen a deer dragging their feet. Right. Seriously. (laughs) Like in that way, I'm like, wow, yes, a deer. So I thought it was a weird image. So I looked it up. I was like, why is he talking about a deer, especially in relation to the mountains? Yes. And I realized that I come from a place where I see the deer running through fields, you know, flat level ground. The deer lives in the woods and running through fields and all of that kind of stuff. Apparently here you had, you know, the way that we might think about a mountain goat. Yeah. uh, Like able to traverse these rocky crags and everything and like find little bits of food. You know, you see pictures of these goats just like standing on rocks. You're like, how did you get there? Yeah. Where do you go from there? Apparently they had deer that did that same thing. They were able to just like cling to the rocks and jump around on these different. So going through this rocky wilderness, you would have seen deer just making their way in these paths that would have seemed impassable, uh, but capable of traversing crazy terrain, which is like a really fascinating image to me. Yeah, that image is way better. I feel like mine is a stretch. I was like, hmm, the deer. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes so much more sense. And I still think like that, that lightness of like, even a lion, I think has a bigger, heavier connotation, but like a deer is still just like, they're just going up and like doing the hard thing. Just trotting along. Yeah, totally. Just content. Yep. Just going about their day, smelling the roses. Exactly. Totally capable, which is interesting to me because then also goes goes on to talk about he trains my hands for battle. It's not just this image of being carried in the palm of God's hand, but that he is training this person to be capable in the midst of hardship, Mm -hmm. to be able to climb that rock like a deer would, to be like to have firm footing to be able to engage in the battle that is raging around them and not just be this helpless, like, I don't know what to do here. Like, we're still going to have to call on the the name of the Lord, but that it seems to me this person has the tools or is being trained into having the tools so that they can actually engage with the world around them, not do it themselves, but that they can participate in what's happening. Yeah, no, I think in these circumstances that we go through in these transitions, God is continually training us and preparing us in everything we go through. Like even this past season of undergrad for me of college, like that was preparation for what I'm about to walk into in whether it was preparation directly for grad school or even a job or relationship building or moving across the country. Like in some way, some form, God was preparing me and continuing to equip me with the biblical um, strengths and tools and fruits of the spirit that I need to walk with him. Yeah. And that in doing those things, it feels like that's what makes it possible for this last verse to actually be realistic. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way, which is part of what triggered this discussion for me as the series that we're doing is called Finding Your Footing. Mm. And so I came across this passage and I'm like, here's a Finding Your Footing (laughs) Uh, part of this text. There's still more that comes in chapter 18 here, but this felt like a fitting place to stop. But that because he is carrying us 
in training us to participate, that is broadening the path that we are capable of walking on. Mm. It's not just like, I only have this very narrow ledge that I am able to traverse. It's like, no, because yes, you have God who will rescue you. So that makes you like, I can do this part, sit in his hand. I can do that part. But also he is training you to participate in this. Like, okay, there's actually even more of this path than that I can walk with God in, in doing this work and that he's giving me the stability that I need in all of these different ways to participate with him, to wait on him and all the above as I make my way through this transition and into this next season of my life. Yeah, and that really just gives an image of an active participation in this next season of life too. It's not, I'm going to passively like receive what happens to me and hope God that like he will pull me out of it, which he will, but like more than that, like you get to have an active, you get to walk without your ankle snapping. Like that's pretty awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. And actually when I read this right away, I read it and I was like, oh, that is just such a beautiful picture because right away I picture like a narrow road of like this goal that God has for me that I have to hit coming back to like decision-making things coming into this transition of like, did I make the right decision? Did I choose the narrow road? Like that God has this tiny little goal that I target that I have to hit. And this just emphasizes like, no, like there was never a narrow road. There was never a, Oh no, like you screwed up. God can't use this. Like God didn't want you there. Like instead of this balance beam where I'm trying not to stumble and fall, like I get to sidestep I get to walk and explore and grow and transition with mistakes and with grace and with confidence and all of the things that he gives us because it's a broad path. It's not a cliff edge. He's not challenging us to like, you better try your best. You're like, you're on the edge. Like it's this or it's over. Like, no, what grace and what a beautiful thing that he opens up this space, especially in transition for us to walk through freely and just walk with confidence and walk with the hope that this is a path that God has set me on and this is a space that he's paved the way. Yes, I think that's amazing. And I just just to qualify here, this is not to confuse the narrow road of salvation yeah. through Christ alone. There is a narrow path that we must follow to be reconciled to our God. Yes. Like, let's not yes. confuse that. But on the broad path of what it looks like to to partner with God in our lives, that it's not just this tiny target that you've got to hit and anything outside of that is not being on the path for the way that he wants your life to go. That God has actually like opened up so much to us and say like, there's so many opportunities for you. Say yes and just walk with me in your yes. Yes. The calling of your life, the purpose of your life does not have to feel like this impossibly small target to hit. There's so many ways to, to follow Jesus with integrity and to partner with God in the ways that he wants to do life with you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just really an encouraging word for anyone in any stage of life, but especially in transition of, did I choose the right career? Did I take the right job? I could have gone here. I could have done this, but I chose this. Why? Why am I here? Things are hard. Did I do the wrong thing? And I think that's just reassurance of like, no, 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 no. God is still carrying you still in this broad path, again, in the ways of the Lord. Yes. We qualified it. <laughs> yes. I know for me, that was huge coming into college because I had felt like, okay, this is make or break, Lord. Like if this doesn't go well, like I have failed. I have wandered off. We are no longer in relationship. It is over for me. And I just think it's so important for people to realize that's not how God views it. And that's not how he ever intended us to view it. I don't know how we got so confused in the world of like, this is the exact thing I have to do or it's over. I've messed up. I can't return. I can't recover. But 
Yeah, the image of the broad path, mm, walking with confidence, all the things, this whole passage leads up to that. Yeah. You get to walk on the broad path with the Lord as your rock, as your fortress, your deliverer. He's drawing you out every time. Oh, I just love it. Yes, and places you back on the broad path. Let me jump to the last question that I want to ask you. Based on what we're seeing here in Psalm 18, and as someone who's about to graduate yourself, what's a word of advice or application that you'd give to your fellow alumni as they enter into life after graduation? It's like, follow the format of the psalm. Maybe you're already in distress. Maybe you're already freaking out about this next step. First and foremost, verse one, I love you, Lord, my strength. Go back to God. Just tell him you love him. Give him your praise. Give him your admiration before he does anything or before you see the miracle. Like, I love you, Lord, my strength. That is first and foremost. And I think also as it touches on, like, there's going to be hardship. Transition is never easy. It's filled with opportunities for growth because it's hard. And that's the beautiful part about it. In the hardship, we get to know that we have a God who is running towards us, clawing after our enemies. Maybe it's a stressful work situation. Maybe it's roommates. Maybe it's the new state you live in. Like God is defending you against all things trying to harm you. And when you do find yourself at your weakest, he's already drawing you out of the water. You're already in his hand, even if you don't feel like it. And as it keeps going, continue to walk in his face. Continue to read your Bible. Maybe you start reading your Bible. Maybe you're like, okay, this is the real thing. I'm gonna gonna read scripture. And you just sit with that and like remember who God is. But ultimately, just in the transition, I think it's important to remember like God's been faithful to you before. God has carried you this far. This is what you've already done, God. This is why I get to call on you. This is why I can say I can scale any wall with your help. Come back to that. Come back to what he's done previously. And whether that's in your own life or in the Bible, like we can see that he's done that for Moses. He's done that for the Israelites. He's done that for Abraham. Every single person, he's been faithful. So I think just standing on that solid rock, that foundation of this is who God is, this is who he continues to be, and this is who he will be in this season of life can really serve as a stronghold and just a strong place for footing. So we get to be the deer running up the mountain. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. For me to add anything to that would be to detract from it. So that's a fantastic (laughs) final word. Hallie, thanks so much for being willing to pick apart this text and talk about it together. This has been super fun. Thank you so much for having me, John. This has been an absolute blast. I hope for everyone listening that this was something that God placed on your heart to listen to and that you heard anything, something maybe not even related to transition. I hope that you can feel confident in what God is speaking to you. But thanks, John. (laughs) (laughs) God is defending you against all things trying to harm you. And when you do find yourself at your weakest, he's already drawing you out of the water. You're already in his hand, even if you don't feel like it. If you hear nothing else, alumni, hear those words from Hallie. Whatever your context, recent grad or not, InterVarsity alum or not, know that the insanely powerful God that David is talking about here is the same God who goes with you into the season of life. He hears you when you call and he responds. He scoops you up in his mighty hand and he does it because he delights in you. You are highly favored by God and he is training you to accomplish his purposes in the places that he's put you. Remind yourself of his past faithfulness and watch for the ways that he continues to be faithful today. 
Hallie, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation, for sharing your wisdom, and for helping us round out this series with a bang. To all of you alumni listeners out there, I hope this was encouraging for you. If you made some of your own observations along the way, had other insights and applications to your context, or if you just really liked this format and want to hear it more often on the podcast, please let us know. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at After4Pod and tell us what you're thinking. I also hope that this Finding Your Footing series has been a blessing. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how you're applying the topics that we've covered. Quick reminder, we're taking a break for the next few weeks, but we still have some bonus episodes coming your way in the meantime. So enjoy some previously unheard moments from recent guests over the next three weeks. Then we'll be back on July 17th with a brand new episode. We're going to be returning to Harvest's story. You might remember that Harvest is an alumna who spent a number of years as a missionary in China. We first met her back in January, and we're going to hear more about her experiences doing ministry in secret in China and what it was like to shift gears during the pandemic to keep reaching people with the gospel. Really amazing stories coming to you on July 17th. I'm excited to be back together at that point. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the after, alumni. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, alumni. If there was anything that you learned, really enjoyed, or that encouraged you from today's episode, would you send us a DM or tag us in a story? We'd love to hear about it. You can find us at After4Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, take just a second to unlock your phone and subscribe to the podcast. If your platform lets you, leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what we're doing here, share us with your InterVarsity or other post-graduation friends. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the after, alumni.